Amen. Thank you for that. Let's open our Bibles, please, to Hebrews chapter 12. Uh, we've been studying about a sacrifice uh, for many, many weeks. We're going to cover tonight uh, the precept of that, which is to count the cost and uh, considering him. Hebrews chapter 12, we're going to start reading in verse 3, and we'll read down through verse uh, 11. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 3. For consider him that endured such a contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be weary and faint in your minds. Ye have not yet resisted unto blood, striving against sin. And ye have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children, my son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. If ye endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the Father chasteneth not? But if ye be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, then are ye bastards and not sons. Furthermore, we have had fathers of our flesh which corrected us, and we gave them reverence. Shall we not much rather be in subjection unto the Father of spirits and live? For they verily for a few days chastened us after their own pleasure, but he for our profit, that we might be partakers of his holiness. Now no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, Afterward, it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. And so, uh, look at verse 3 again. It says, for consider him. I want to talk about that night, uh, tonight. Consider him. And what does that really mean? And what is the context of this uh, exhortation. Let's pray. Father, we yield your spirit. Pray that he'd lead and guide us as to what to say, how to say it, that you'd control our thought processes, that you would uh, cause your spirit to work mightily. Uh, we put no confidence in the flesh, and we pray that you'd give us uh, power to teach and preach the word, and a clarity of thought, clarity of mind, good intent, focus, and heart to receive it that the word would uh, go forth and find fruit and the fruit would produce uh, the heart would produce fruit that remains and we ask these things in jesus name uh, consider him i could call this underbidding the contract uh, and i'll talk about that a little later if you've ever had somebody put in a bid, maybe you had remodeling or something like that, or maybe you've been a contractor yourself or you've subcontracted, I've done all these things. Um, it's very important. But the context of this is chastening. So chastening has the precept of ownership. Uh, when you receive Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are forfeiting ownership of your life. A lot of people don't like this. They don't want to accept it or believe it. True Christianity, it says, you are bought with the price. Right. Right. Therefore, glorify God in your body and your spirit, which are his. Amen. So if God owns you, you are a son born into the kingdom, born again by the incorruptible word of God, the seed that liveth and abideth forever. 
you then become a son. So then you carry the name of God and therefore his reputation is at stake through your life and your behavior. And thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. So now his reputation is at stake. You're called by his name. You're part of the lineage in the kingdom. And so God chastens his children. So we need to remind ourselves the difference between punishment and chastening. Punishment is a judgment. You did wrong, so you're getting this. God doesn't do that. God loves his children. He chastens us. So chastening basically is for our benefit or our profit so that we can learn the lesson so that we won't do it again. That's the love of God. God doesn't punish his children. He chastens us. And so this is a reality that we all have to accept. If you're saved, God's going to chasten you. Not because he's mad necessarily. He's not going to punish you. Uh, it is a loving process of trying to get us to learn. So I always use the illustration like when my daughter was young, uh, you know, my wife's cooking on the stove, the burner's red hot, she tries to touch it, my wife would go, no, hot. That's chastening. Why? She loves her, doesn't want her to burn her hand. God loves us. He doesn't want us to self-destruct, so to speak. So the context of this is chastening. Now, most people will not accept it, draw back, or grow cowardly and shrink in their heart, and they will not follow on because they either have an unbiblical concept of the love of God, or they're simply rebellious, or they want this new Joel Osteen uh, self-help false gospel that's so popular without chastening without God who is holy wanting you to become more and more holy and grow in grace so he's going to uh, deal with you and this is the context now a lot of people don't realize this life is a competition uh, you're not to compete or compare the Bible says, we talked about this recently, we're trying to win Christ. And you're to run, verse 1 of this chapter, the race set before you, and you're trying to get an eternal reward in heaven, and so that he will say, well done, thou good and faithful servant, enter thou into the joy of the Lord. But the competition is, here's where everybody gets it wrong. It's not against other people. I'm not, I don't care what, you know, people think I'm kind of callous on it. I don't care what you have. I don't care what you do. Doesn't matter to me what you look like. I'm not trying to compete with anybody. I'm trying to beat myself. I'm competing with the opposition. And people are not the opposition. The opposition is spiritual opposition, which is invisible opposition. The true evil or the enemy of the world, the flesh, and the devil. We fight on three battlefronts. But all the difficulties of life, the problems of life, the obstacles of life, just the circumstances of life itself, the laws of creation that God made that govern the universe, they're not personal. 
It's, it's nothing to do with me. This is a law. If I jump off the house, I w gravity's going to take me down. That's a, that's a law. It's nothing about me. It's nothing about you. You better face it. Like uh, Brother Hinchball here said, you can't cheat the mountain. He's, now, he's a real mountain man, rode all over through states, a horseback. You, you need to hear some of his stories and things that he, you know, you really need to, he's, if there's like a one in a million, he's one of them. Uh, you, you really need to meet him. He's the most amazing, I'm not exact, I don't say that about people very much. One of the most amazing people you'll ever meet. Uh, but, and I'm not flattering him, it's just a fact. But the, the opposition, it's not like football where you're playing another team to beat someone to be faster or combat trying to kill somebody who's trying to kill you. This is about laws that govern creation. It's not personal. And so our goal should be based upon priorities. So how do we prioritize what is most important in your life and I challenge you, just sit down someday, be honest. What is the most important thing in your life? Then go one, two, three, four. Most people, even Bible-believing Baptists, God is way down the list. They say he's at the top. God, family, what's the other one? It used to be America. Well, no. But anyway, hard to love America right now. What What's going on? But still the greatest country on earth in spite of all that's going on. But our goal ought to prioritize. So this word, consider, means to make an evaluation, to size up a situation in Christ himself, and then to put in a bid, and it's a literal contract. What is it going to cost you to follow him? What is it going to cost you to do the will of God? What is the bid? You know, my brother, he owns a business. They'll renew the bid. City of Corpus Christi. All these companies put in their bid. And he's always thinking, now if I, if I go too high, somebody may underbid me and they may give them the contract. And then, but if I go too low, my expenses are high. I'm not going to make much profit. So you always have this this battle between expenses, labor, overhead, income, then profit, and this is what this word means. So when you prioritize Christ, and you put Him at the top, I mean top priority, and then you can consider Him, and you will not endure chastening until you consider Him. You won't. I've seen so many people burn out, turn back, look back, quit, backslide, compromise, sell out, give up, burn up, literally. Why? Because they don't want to count the cost of making the bid. And it takes some time, by the way. I'm thinking this over here. You know, I don't know my overhead. Here's my expenses. Is this a write-off? I mean, what's... What will I get? What can I sell? Can I buy cheap? You know, buy cheap, sell high. That's the goal, right? Make a profit. Um, and then sometimes, like, you know, I was taught by a collector one time, 
uh, old timey guy. He said, my greatest acquisitions at the time was the most difficult decision of my life and it cost me the most. And I might even had to get a loan for it and I sacrificed. But later on, I look back, it was the greatest thing I ever did because I knew I might win or lose, but I valued it so high, it was worth the risk. The risk. And then I've heard other people say, you know, I, bought, I paid too much for that. I'm going to take this stuff, been sitting there, I can't sell it for a while. I'm going to count my losses. I'm going to sell it at a loss. Why? Because they can sell it at a loss, then take that capital, go buy something else, a better buy, and make a lot of money on that. That's the way you do it. And you got all these people that have, they paid too much because they made a bad bid and they didn't consider and then they can't liquidate and then they're greedy and they just sit there and they say, well, I can't sell that. So I'll just, I, and they'll, or they'll put too much percentage of a markup. It's not realistic in the, in the real world. You know, some of you know what I'm talking about. Some of you have no idea what I'm talking about. <laughs> but uh, it's, it's a way of looking at it. So, you know, if you're married, you consider your wife above all others. It's, it, it's, it's even in the vows. You better. You better. Uh, Christ, your best friend. There's a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. He should be have more consideration than just average people. Or even acquaintances. Or even friends. But not a really, really good, loyal lifelong friend and if you have one friend true one you have more than most people i fully believe that you got one real disciple you've got more than most people will ever have and you know the more money you get and the more power you get the less you know their motive are they really your friend so in the text this is likened to a contractor bidding a contract so you are the contractor. Your business is your life. You have free will. You have volition. You can make decisions. You have your resources, your energy of your life, your family, your assets, and you're, you need this contract. You're going to put in a bid. Now, Christ is the contract. The will of God is the job, so to speak, and you have to decide what are you willing to bid wisely to get the will of God in your life. I have to decide this for me. Right. You know, like, like you know, I'd love to travel and do all that. I can't. I may mean, I bid a contract. I'm fulfilling my contract. A lot of things that, you know, some of us have to get to do. Others can't. Um, you know, when you get married, you say, I do, and you did. And it's right. till death do us part, Amen. and you, you better bid it up. You better count the cost right. till death do us part. We live in a world today where their world, most people, their word doesn't mean very much. We all know right. that. Right. So the Bible word is consideration. And the Bible says we should consider the poor. Now, I always try to consider the poor. Does that mean I give them money every time? No, I don't. Very seldom, but I always consider them. Right. Uh, you might have heard the story. There was a guy down at HEB, will work, need help. People were handing money. He was making $2,000 a day mooching. 
with a with a wouldn't get a job, lazy loafing bum, living off the good nature and generosity of others. And I always think about when we see somebody standing there, and you know, should I give them what? I try to have spiritual discernment. My brother and I were in Santa Fe a few weeks ago. Time flies. This poor woman sitting there. She has a hunchback, and she's has a sign up. I said, well, we'll give her a little money and I'm going to give her a track. I said, you got to read this gospel track or I'm not giving you any money. Amen. This is what she did. Yeah. I remember one time we were going into the Museo show at the railroad. This guy's sitting there bumming, panhandling or what. You know, and you go in and say, panhandling is not allowed on this premises. But, well, we'll consider the poor. We gave him some money. We went to the show, driving around. He was at McDonald's drinking an icy chocolate drink. Why is it so quiet in here? Yeah, you know what they're doing? Most of them. So I was talking about this with my wife. You don't even know who's poor anymore in America because of all the government help and our high standard of living. You always consider them, though. Do they need help? How much should I prioritize this person? So we should all be considerate of others and be aware of their needs and prioritize. And in the last days, you have a real lack of Bible consideration. You have a lot of political correctness, a lot of government giveaways, all that type of stuff, socialism, but then very little true consideration. So... What does this text tell us? Number one, looking unto Jesus. You got to look at him. Don't get your eye off him. If you start looking at people, they'll let you down every time. They'll disappoint you every time. Don't depend on people. Now, if you get a loyal, dependable one, you've really got something. The faithful few, we call it. And then it says, we are to run the race set before us. And the only way you can run that race is if you lay aside the sin which does so easily beset us. This isn't talking about sins like we think of, uh, you know, wicked sin, like murder, or, you know, fornication or whatever. This is talking about those things which the weights that keep you from running. You know, and Brother Howells always used that illustration. I love it. Some guy shows up at the Olympics. Everybody's got on their skinny shorts and their, you know, small t-shirt with those lightweight tennis shoes. They're at the starting block, and this guy shows up. He's got an overcoat. He's got on Army combat boots. He's got those Velcro five-pound weights on each ankle. He's got a big old belt, and he's carrying dumbbells, and he's going to run the race. Do you think he's going to win? No, he's going to get lapped. Probably get lapped in the 100-yard dash. But, no, he's going to get lapped. Because there's things you have to lay aside yeah, right. if you're going to run the race. Right. Things that aren't even a sin, but they're not the right priority to maximize your focus on what you're trying to accomplish. And we have all these people like, you know, um, what's the word? Jack of all trades, master of none. Too many irons in the fire won't put this as a, they don't focus and the Bible word for this is to consider 
contemplate, discern, bid, weigh the situation, and when you do this, there's only three possibilities. You can suffer a loss, you can break even, or you can make a profit. And the goal is to run the race so that you win the prize. Right. You get a reward at the end of life when it's all said and done, what did you accomplish? And will you hear the Father say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. So what happens is the average person doesn't consider. And I'm really baffled by this in some ways, but in other ways, it's the new normal that people enter into things without weighing the consequence. They don't count the cost anymore. When, when I was a young man, and I'm only 60, but your word meant something, you would handshake, look a man in the eye, say, I give you my word. And it was a binding contract because men's word meant something. And they would count the cost before they'd give you their word. We live in a society now, they can sign a contract, sign a waiver of liability of indemnity and all that stuff, and get a crooked lawyer and try to snake their way out of their obligation, and their word doesn't mean anything. You know, how many people say, I'll be at church Sunday and they never show up? Because their word doesn't mean anything. But a person that weighs things, that estimates and considers, will think, you know, many times my brother will say, well, i got to go do something. I'll say, why? He goes, well, I messed up and I gave him my word. I say that all the time. So what do you got to do? Man, I wish I wouldn't have told him I'd have done that because I don't want to do it, but I told him I would, so I have to be a man of my word. Right. So the next time, I'm not going to say anything. <laughs> That's why if you're married, this is really good advice. Never <laughs> promise your wife anything. <laughs> You know, I learned this. I've been married 35 years. You, you don't, it's just say, you know what? I'll try my best, Lord willing. And, and a lot of times, I'll tell my wife, I might. I'm think, I'll think about that. Because once you say it, oh, they're going to hold you to it. Now, so Acts 17, when Paul is preaching on Mars Hill, he's talking about the greatness of God that he's so big that the universe dwells inside of God. And it says, for in him we live and move and have our being. And Daniel says, and also in, in uh, Isaiah 11, that of the increase of his kingdom, there shall be no end. So it's going to grow and grow and expand and expand throughout eternity. But the problem is, most people don't consider him. And we're almost out of time, but it's a very short message tonight. But most people, they consider their stomach. You better believe it. That thing growls, boy, they're going to shovel something in that pie hole. That, that, that's their top priority. You know, and you'll hear, I'm hungry, I'm thirsty, I'm hot, I'm cold, I'm tired. Uh, very few people consider him. Now, when you consider him, you're going to get the bid. And God's going to give you His will 
for your life. And it's not His will for somebody else's life. You're not competing and comparing. A success to one person is a failure to another. Everything is relative. You need to know why you're on this planet. You know, I had a guy that was joining the Marines. He came to me, young man, and he said, uh, I just have to ask you a question. I said, all right. He said, what is the meaning of life? And he was going to get sent by the government to go kill people and to get killed potentially. And he didn't even know. He said, I don't even know why I'm here. This doesn't make any sense to me. What is, what is the meaning of life? I'm so confused. He grew up in the hill country by Reagan Wells, and uh, he made it through, came back, got married. But the point is, most people have no goals. They have no consciousness. So they have no intention to set up a priority to accomplish anything. And it all starts out by consideration. Do you consider... You know, like, he's got to drive back to Glorietta. Well, before you get in a car and drive from here to Glorietta, you better count the cost. It's, it's a hard trip. You imagine on a horse what it was like? You know, up at Reagan Wells Canyon, we used to live there. They had to camp out two nights just to get to Uvalde to buy supply in the Old West days. I mean, you'll think twice for you. We had to cross the creek 21 times. Can you imagine in a wagon, camping out, Comanches trying to get you, all sorts of robbers. There's a story where they found a bee tree and two guys got in a gunfight and one murdered the other because he wanted the honeycomb. The other one did it. There was, there was hangings in there, all sorts of stuff. That one man killed 98 bears in that canyon. And, and his uh, granddaughter was telling me about it. This is at the end of the Old West. but. I mean, it was a brutal time, merciless, cruel time. But you got to count the costs. You got to count. I could have called this "Can't Cheat the Mountain." You can't. You can't cheat the mountain. And you know, when I first met Mr. Hengesbach, he'd, he'd say, "I'm going to shoot the gap." He probably don't even remember that stuff. I'm going to shoot the gap. Is that past passable? And there's another saying. I won't say it. <laughs> but uh, anyway, you got to count the cost. So, uh, to conclude, we're out of time. If you consider him, you'll endure chastening. It's not that bad. He loves me. He loves me. You know, you might twist your ankle or hurt your back a little or suffer a little loss, or somebody may teach you a lesson that you needed to learn and God will let them in your life and chastise you. Or He may let you fall on your face. He might let you get embarrassed. He loves you. But if you trust Him, what does it say? We commit the keeping of our souls unto Him. He's a loving Heavenly Father. He knows what's best for me. I trust Him. If He's providential and sovereign, He will only allow into my life what He wants what is there to be afraid of? If, if God be for us, who can be against? All right, let's stand, please. All right, uh, remember, RU is Friday night at 6. If you never tried it, won't you try it one time? There's good food, fellowship. The women and the men split up and talk about issues. It's really good. Uh, it's, it's really, really good. I really 
recommend it. And then remember, uh, Saturday morning, 10.30, we meet here to go soul winning. Sunday school is at 10 o'clock, and uh, pray for all the different classes. Had a really big crowd last Sunday, by the way. Praise the Lord for that, a really big crowd. And then uh, pray for one another. You know, it's real sad, all the things happening out there. Uh, consider one another. It says, consider one another. So as we leave, don't forget about each other. Consider. Think about what, what are they going through? How can I help? I need to empathize. I need compassion. All right. Oh, if you want to sign up for the dove hunt, sign up sheets in the vestibule. Amen. All right.